Thank you so much, Doug. <clears throat> it's always such a pleasure to be with on an occasion like this, where in so many ways in church, as we kind of look at this as turning the page into the next chapter, and I think you're in for a phenomenal chapter. You have such a, an amazing history of being involved in mission locally and around the world. Uh, you have had uh, experienced God's faithfulness to you in the past, currently, and into the future. And I can't wait to see what all's going to happen at Hillcrest. And I know that Nate and Angela are going to be such a blessing to you. They already have been. But um, I've known Nate for longer because he served in Arvada, and I'm superintendent of that region too. So I was so pleased that he said yes to the calling of Jesus and this congregation to be here among you. So the installation liturgy is a little bit formal, and sometimes people think like installation, don't you install like a dishwasher or computer? Yeah. <laughs> I won't call you a dishwasher. Um, but it is beautiful, and it is the same liturgy that's used all around the covenant. So I like to think that as I'm installing Nate here, that somewhere in the covenant, another pastor might be installed with the same liturgy, and isn't that a beautiful way to bring the whole family together? So <clears throat> let's begin. Dear friends in Christ, guided by the Holy Spirit, you have called Nate Powell to be your pastor. By this act, you have indicated your confidence in him to be a shepherd of this congregation. I charge you to receive the word of God through him in all meekness and love. Undergird him in the labors that will be his in the service of God. Remember always that he is God's servant and that you as God's stewards are to supply his needs in a way that will be pleasing to God and in honor to this congregation. In all things, show him your love, esteem him highly for his calling as your pastor, and accept him as your spiritual leader. If these are your intentions, please support him and the continuing ministry of this church by standing, if you are able, standing, and responding to the following questions. Will you receive Nate to be your pastor, recognizing his place in spiritual leadership and receiving the word of God through him? If this is your promise, answer, we will. We will. Will you do your full part to supply Nate's needs in a way that will be pleasing to God? And will you encourage him and share with him in the work of Christ in this church? If this is your promise, answer, we will. We will. Thank you. You may be seated. Dear brother in Christ, hear the word of God is directed to ministers of the church of Jesus Christ. God, by his Holy Spirit, calls men and women to serve him and his church according to the gifts he has given to them. We read in scriptures, and these were his gifts, some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, to equip God's people for work in his service to the building up of the body of Christ. Under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, you've been called by this congregation to be their pastor. God and this congregation have committed the shepherding of this flock to you, and you are admonished by God to be urgent in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, and exhort. Be unfailing in patience and in teaching. In all sincerity, preach the word. Administer the sacraments in accordance with the scriptures. Comfort and counsel the sick, the sorrowing, and the troubled. And instruct all to live up to their calling in Christ Jesus. 
Are you willing to assume this responsibility in the strength that God has given you? With God's help, I am. In assuming your responsibility as pastor of this congregation, will you reaffirm your loyalty to the Evangelical Covenant Church and promise to support its work and the work of the Midwest Conference? With God's help, I will. I want to invite Angela up. We all know how important a spouse is and a ministry couple, and she is a delight. If you have not gotten to know her yet, what a beautiful ministry couple they are together. And Jeff is coming up as chair of the church, as your representative to lay hands on them as we pray over them and bless them to their work. Uh, I would ask that partway through the prayer, you join me in that prayer, and I'll let you know when that is, and the words will be on the screen. So would you join me at this time? You can extend your hand towards Nate and Angela as we install Nate. Almighty God, in every age, you have chosen servants to proclaim your word and lead your people. We give thanks for your servant whom you've called to serve in this place. By your grace, enable Nate to use his gifts to do your work and, and fill him with your Holy Spirit so that he may have the mind of Christ and be your faithful servant as long as he lives. God, we pray that you would surround Nate with the love of a church that cares not only for him but for his whole family. Thank you for Angela, for the gift that she is to this church. And we pray that you will grant her your grace and give her opportunities to use her gifts and be nourished in this community. We thank you, Lord, that your word promises us that when you call us to serve, you will always provide the resources that are needed. May Nate draw deeply from the rich well of your grace. Please join me. God of grace, who calls us to a common ministry, as ambassadors of Christ, entrusting us with the message of reconciliation. Give us courage and discipline to follow, <clears throat> that together we may declare your wonderful deeds, show your love to the world. Jesus Christ, the Lord of all, amen. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the head of the church, <clears throat> excuse me, and by the authority of this congregation and the Midwest Conference, <clears throat> I now declare that Nate Powell is duly installed as pastor of this congregation. Thank you. I just asked Pastor Nate to do that, and he read my mind. <clears throat> well, it is such a joy and a privilege to be with you, and um, installing a pastor is one of my favorite things to do because it is a culmination of a wonderful, whoops, <laughs> wonderful search process, and um, I just am so grateful to the search team. If you're here this morning, would you stand for just a moment so we can appreciate you? Thank you for your very good work. <clears throat> um, it is uh, fun to be here as well. It's, it's good to be here in this moment. And 
I just want to say thank you to you as a congregation. Whenever I go out to churches, I feel like every church is my church family in the conference. So when people say, who's your church? I say the whole conference, every church. <laughs> and uh, I know some of you have been praying for me in this season. And for those who don't know, my best friend, my uh, biggest cheerleader, my husband of 37 years lost his life to COVID uh, at the end of last year. So um, along with many of you who have been experiencing challenges in this season, losses of all manners and sorts and people that we love, I just want you to know I'm there with you in this. And I also stand before you giving witness to God's faithfulness, that even in the most difficult of times, there's this silver, uh, I don't know, maybe a, a, a piece of gold that runs through of God's blessing to us and his faithfulness to us. I feel that, I know that. May that be a metaphor for Hillcrest Covenant Church, that in the good times and in the bad, God's faithfulness and his blessing carries us through. And so now as you enter a new chapter, um, again, you will experience that in this next chapter. Uh, since it's been a while since I've been with you, I did bring a couple of pictures, well, one picture, three in one, if we can get it up on the screen. Always important for you to see my grandchildren, right? <laughs> this is Briley and Huxley and Garnet, and they are so much fun. Any grandparents here, by the way? Okay, so when you have grandchildren, it rocks your world. Honestly, life is never the same again. And uh, it reminds me on a daily basis of um, the importance of continuing to invest in children and youth in this coming generation, that we get to model for them a life of faith. They get to see and understand Christ's love through us. They get to understand the abundant life that is only available in Jesus. And so your role is so important. I love the church because I grew up in the church and I was the product of praying parents and grandparents and a church that loved me through thick and thin. And there was probably quite a few challenging moments in that, but they were <laughs> true to their promises. And uh, I love the church. I believe the church expresses the hope of Jesus Christ to people around us. So thank you, Hillcrest, for being the beacon of Christ's love in this community and far beyond. I want to open, if I might, with just a word of prayer as I transition into reading the text for you. So, gracious God, we are so thankful to be here today to once again experience your faithfulness, uh, we are grateful that you brought Nate here to pastor and shepherd, be your under-shepherd in this congregation. We give you great thanks for all of your faithfulness over this time, over these generations, these 60 years uh, to Hillcrest, the Hillcrest family. And now, God, I pray that you would use my words to encourage and challenge and inspire. Lord, as they go out, would you, by your Holy Spirit, embed them in the hearts and the minds of your people bringing just the word that they need this morning. And Lord, I just pray that there would be less of me and more of you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So my text this morning comes from Ephesians, and I'm going to read to you that text out of Ephesians 1, verses 3 to 14, if you have your app open or your Bible. Uh, beautiful, beautiful prayer here. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. 
In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. The word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. So um, Ephesians is a letter that takes considerable care to paint a picture of who Jesus is and what that means for us as Jesus followers. And I'm excited to spend time in this first part of chapter one where Paul starts right from the outset here with this explosive prayer of thanksgiving. Now, here's a little interesting piece of trivia. The verses that I just read for you, verses three to 14, in the Greek language in which it was originally written are actually one long run-on sentence. There is, it's not obvious in our English language, right? Because we have periods and paragraph breaks and commas and all kinds of things inserted to make it easier to read. But in its original form, there are over 200 consecutive words with no comma, no period, no semicolon, no question mark. 200 plus words without punctuation makes for one long run-on sentence. Do I have any teachers in the house? <laughs> you know what I mean. Now, contrary to what I just said, I actually think there's more than just a piece of trivia here. Here's what I think. This is my theory, at least. As Paul starts this letter, and as he is explaining what God has done for us in Jesus and how we are blessed, covering basically all of salvation history from before God created the earth until the future when all things in heaven and on earth are brought together under Christ, as he's declaring this, he, I think he's just simply so exuberant he can't slow down long enough to put in the punctuation. That's my theory, at least. There's so much to learn in this text. Oh, I just exhort you to go home and read it over and over again this week. But I think there's also something to be said about the tone in which he delivers it. Now, keep in mind, when Paul wrote this letter, he had been a Christian for 30 years. It was 30 years earlier that he had met Jesus on that Damascus Road experience. You remember that dramatic experience? And then for 30 years, he had been teaching the Bible. He had been planting churches. He'd been in prison. He had navigated arguments in the church. Oh yeah, those happen, right? <laughs> he had started arguments in the church. He settled matters of racial inequality. He gave honor to the place of men and women to use their full gifting in the church. I don't know that he argued over things like the color of the carpet or what instruments are used in worship, though I highly doubt it. But I do know he had been preaching and teaching and leading a gospel movement for some 30 years when he wrote this. So the gospel was not new news to him. In fact, the gospel was 
was old news to him, but it was, oh, oh, so very, very good news. And as Paul starts this letter with his 200-plus word, broad, brushstroke summary of what God has done for us in Jesus, he is so ridiculously excited, he can't slow down to catch his breath. So I want to give you my loose paraphrase, since, uh, you know, Jason's already charted the course for me here during worship. I want to give you my loose paraphrase of how Paul probably delivered this passage. Paul's saying here, listen. I don't have time for commas or periods or semicolons because I am still so overwhelmed with the never-ending reckless love of a God who would send his only son to die for me, to raise him from the dead so that in him I have received every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. That God has chosen me before he spun the earth on its axis, before he flung the stars into the universe. I graced his holy imagination and he said, you're mine. He chose me. He predestined me to be adopted as his child, and he has included me in the family of God where I have an inheritance that far exceeds anything I could possibly ever hope for or imagine or experience this side of heaven, and I know I have it coming because it's been signed, sealed, and delivered by the Holy Spirit who is the down payment of all that is to come for all of God's adopted children to God be the glory. Is that good news, church? <laughs> Can I get an amen somewhere? <laughs> And so I want to ask us this morning, are we excited about Jesus? Paul was a follower of Jesus for 30 years and he still couldn't catch his breath because he was so in awe of the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God and the person and work of Jesus Christ. And I wonder if some of us this morning, some of us who've maybe been in the church all our lives, or maybe we've been teaching Sunday school for decades, or maybe we've been leaders in the church, maybe we're a conference leader, I always point at myself. I wonder if sometimes we just need to be reminded of the enormity, of the magnitude of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. So what I want to do in these remaining minutes is to dig out some of what has the Apostle Paul so excited here. I got to be clear, what I would describe this as is the mother load of spiritual blessings. And we've only got time to go digging for a few nuggets. So we're going to start right out of the chute with nugget number one. And that is this. He chose you. Verse four says, he chose you before the creation of the world. Is that mind-boggling? <laughs> I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, I remember this sort of dysfunctional playground activity. You'd go out onto the playground. It'd be time to play team sports. Some of you are going to recognize this painful memory. I don't know if they're still doing this. They'd pick two captains, and then they'd line up all the students, and they'd go down, each captain, every other one, picking the students for their team, starting with those who are the very best athletics and in athletics, and all the way down to the most athletically challenged. And man, it was, it was embarrassing, because the same people often ended up at the end of the line. And if you were that person, man, you dreaded this activity. Am I right? The all that, are you all the athletic types in here? <laughs> Here's what it says in Ephesians chapter 1. You need to know that the captain of all creation, before he created the world, he knew your name and he called you out and he said, I pick you. You're mine and I want you on my team. 
And here's the reality. If you've chosen to follow Jesus, is that long before you chose to follow Jesus, he already chose you. Long before you ever decided, I'm going to follow Jesus, he decided to pick you. Being chosen before creation, it has everything to do with the value that he places on us. And by that, I mean every human being, because we're created in the image of God. It has nothing to do with God arbitrarily choosing some and overlooking others, which is good news because there may be some here among us who have felt overlooked at one time or another, maybe even right now in this moment. Maybe you've never been chosen for that sports team or maybe you've been looked over for that promotion at work or maybe you've been uh, not in the in crowd in school or in your neighborhood or in your workplace or dare I even say even in the church. Maybe you've had a hard time making friends. Maybe, maybe you're not invited to all the parties or you've been excluded from things or someone's labeled you. Maybe you've been called names, felt isolated, alone, discounted, overlooked, disregarded, or unchosen. I want you to hear the voice of Jesus coming through in Ephesians chapter 1. Listen, my child, I chose you. I picked you. You are valuable, and I want you on my team. Before the foundation of the world, I chose you to be mine. Is that good news, church? Nugget number two is this. (laughs) You've been adopted into God's family. Verse 5 tells us that long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family. He predestined us for adoption, it says. So let me share a little story about a nurse named Shayla. Shayla, it was a Friday night, and Shayla had been called into work to work on the maternity ward that night. She really didn't work there normally, um, hadn't for months, but one of the nurses called in sick, and Shayla agreed to go in and take the shift. And, and earlier in the day, a pregnant woman had gone into labor, and it was Shayla's job that night to care for this woman. Um, she learned a couple things in talking to her. One is that the baby was arriving a full two weeks early, and second, that she planned to give up this baby for adoption. Later, when Shayla went on a break, she called her husband. Uh, You see, Shayla and her husband had two sons, ages six and seven, and uh, they had been told they couldn't have more children, so they had kind of been hoping and praying that someday they could complete their family through adoption. And, uh, you know, just kind of a crazy conversation. Later that evening, the woman gave birth to a baby, healthy baby, and of course was exciting in the maternity ward, but there was also kind of this speculation going on. And when Shayla got off duty and went home that evening, she and her husband talked like late into the night about this idea of adoption talked about kind of, you know, unbelievable things that couldn't possibly come to fruition, but they, they weren't able to get to sleep. It was just kind of robbing them of their sleep. So the next morning, even though it was a Saturday, Shayla thought, I'm going to call the doctor's office and just check in on the whereabouts of that baby. And so she called, uh, expecting the doctor probably wouldn't even be there. It was a Saturday after all. But the receptionist answered, and within an hour, she was talking to the doctor who had attended to the delivery. And he told her that the birth mom's regular doctor was out of town, on vacation, no one could reach him, no one knew what was supposed to happen to this baby. And then he said to Shayla this, 
since you were the first to get your foot in the door, if you want to start the legal process, you can take this baby home. So on Monday morning after a weekend of shopping frantically for baby clothes and diapers and food and all the things you need as a new parent, because they had absolutely nothing, they drove to the hospital and that baby was placed in Shayla's arms and she wept. She said, I just cried with joy. And if you haven't already figured it out, that baby was me. <laughs> I am that child. And I consider my adoption nothing short of a miraculous convergence of God-orchestrated moments. And I'm so grateful to God for the loving parents I've had who opened their heart and their home and gave me place in a beautiful family. I've always understood this to be an incredible and gracious gift. It has been foundational for my understanding of my own identity as the much loved daughter of Shayla and Winston Swanson, my earthly parents, but even more importantly, as a lavishly and extravagantly loved child of God. Because friends, if you have put your faith in Jesus, this is our story. Our stories are a miraculous convergence of God-orchestrated moments that have led to our identity as children of God and, and adopted into his family. 1 John 3.1 is one of my all-time favorite verses. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are, lavished in our Father's love. I remember saying to my brothers growing up, both of them, as I said, were born naturally to my parents. Mom and dad had to keep you. They were stuck with you, but they chose me. <laughs> I don't know what life I was saved out of when I was adopted. It may have been tragic, but I do know the life I was invited into. And the good news of the gospel is much like that. It's not just that Jesus saves us from something. He certainly does. He saves us from our sin and our own folly and from some kind of mundane existence, and that's all good news. But it's also that he invites us into his family. He gives us an inheritance and in every way treats us as his dearly loved children, and that is great news. And we could spend a lifetime mining the depths of the meaning of our adoption. We would really only be scratching the surface, so I'm just going to give you a couple of thoughts. How about this? If you are a son or a daughter of God, it means that you have unrestricted, unhindered access to God as your father. Now, here's what I mean. When my children were young and they called out in the middle of the night, guess what? I came running. <laughs> when my kids got a little bit older and they were in grade school, if something came up and there was an important need that developed, I'd pretty much drop everything, or Kelly would, my husband, in order to be there. And when my kids were teenagers and, and they wanted to just talk, you better believe I set down whatever I was doing just to listen. And, and when my grown children call me just to chat today, I'm going to take that call pretty much no matter what I'm doing. Don't even get me going on my grandkids. <laughs> Why? Because they are my kids and I love them and I delight in hearing from them. I give them unrestricted, unhindered access and I love to hear from them. Verse 5 tells us you've been adopted. 
That means you have unrestricted, unhindered access to God as your Father, and He delights in you. Now, some of you may have had a rocky relationship with your dad. Some of you may not have felt a whole lot of love from your dad. Some of you have a great dad who really modeled the love of Christ for you. Regardless of your earthly father, what I want you to hear this morning is the voice of a God who delights in you, who says, you can call me dad. In fact, you can call me anytime. I will be your father. I have chosen you. I have adopted you into my family. And that's another thing. If you're an adopted son or daughter of God, not only do you get unrestricted access to a father who delights in you, you get a family out of the deal. I remember when I was adopted, um, I didn't just get a relationship with my parents. I got a relationship with a family. And I remember being told over and over the stories of how excited my brothers were. They were at school down the street, and my parents brought me home on that Monday morning. They came running home at lunchtime, could not wait to meet their new sister, came tearing into the door, and then just kind of like the deer caught in the headlights, didn't know what to do. Until finally my older brother reached out and kind of ran his hand up and down my arm to, to see if I was real. And You see, I just didn't get parents out of the deal. I got a beautiful family, and we belong to one another. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote this about the Christian family. He said, we belong to one another only through and in Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ, we have been chosen from eternity, accepted in time, and united for eternity. This should impact everything about the way we think and function. When I think of God's family, it's so much bigger than my little family of origin, as beautiful as that family is. You're a family here at Hillcrest Covenant Church, but God's family is even bigger than that. It's bigger than our whole entire covenant family. It's people from every nation, tribe, people, and language, anyone who calls God Father and knows Jesus, his son. And it means we need to care about the things that matter to the rest of the family, right? When one of our brothers or sisters is experiencing joy, we rejoice with them. When one of them is suffering, we empathize. We come alongside them. We need to care about that. When, for example, our Hindustani covenant church in India is suffering under the rampages of COVID, we need to care. When some of our brothers and sisters who are living right here lack the opportunities that others of us take for granted, we need to care. When women and children are trafficked to satisfy the most evil desires of broken humanity, we need to care. When Christians around the world are persecuted, mistreated, imprisoned, run out of their countries, we need to care. And when our brothers and sisters of color tell us about their experiences and the wounds that have been inflicted, we need to believe them. We need to care. Because the family of God transcends the color of our skin, the country of our origin, and the language we speak. God is the one who said it. That makes it so. And Ephesians tells us that one day, according to God's good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, when the times reach their fulfillment, he's going to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ to the praise of his glory. In fact, Revelation 7 paints exactly that picture of God's family from every tribe, people, nation, and language gathered around the throne of God, praising him in the heavenly realms. That is going to be the best family reunion ever. Amen, church? 
No wonder Paul was so excited. We get a family with all the blessings and all of the responsibilities that come with that. You are a family, brothers and sisters of Hillcrest Covenant Church, and you're a part of the greater covenant family, and our family extends to Christ followers all around the globe. And it's been God's plan all along to pull this diverse family together, both those in heaven and those on earth, to bring unity under Christ. And we get the privilege of aligning our hearts and our plans with God's plan. In fact, we often pray the words of Jesus, may it be the same on earth as it is in heaven. We get the opportunity to participate with him in accomplishing that in the here and now because we already belong to each other. To claim God as father is to claim all of God's children as our brothers and sisters. Being adopted means we are part of God's diverse family. Amen, church? Amen. The last nugget I'm going to leave you with here today Ephesians says we were blessed with every spiritual blessing, chosen before the creation of the world, adopted into God's family, redeemed through the blood of Jesus, forgiven of our sins, lavished in the richness of God's grace, guaranteed an inheritance, filled with the spirit of the living God for the praise of his glory. Did you catch that here? The praise of his glory. Three times that shows up in this passage we read this morning. And I always think that's the author's way of saying, hey, let's pay attention here. <laughs> you see, whenever we see references in Scripture to God's glory, it's all about God being revealed. And when we see God revealed, we see him. We experience his presence. We experience his power. And we can't help but praise him. Glory is all about revelation, God revealing his character as a loving God, as a saving God, as a God who chooses us, who values us, who adopts us, who delights in us. Glory is all about revelation, God revealing his character. But in this outburst of praise to God's goodness, Paul kind of turns this on his head, on its side, and he says, we who are in Christ, we are for the praise of his glory. In other words, we have the opportunity to reveal Christ to an onlooking world of people who desperately need to know this love of Christ that we know. In verse 4, it says he chose us before the creation of the world to live holy and blameless lives before God, which makes sense because we're for the praise of his glory. And whatever else the church is, it must be a community of changed people. It has to look different than the rest of the world around us. Our primary citizenship family is in the kingdom of God, and we need to take our identity from there and not from the toxic, divisive, me-first, dehumanizing, devaluing rhetoric of the politicized world in which we live today. Our primary identity is not as Republicans or Democrats or Libertarians or Independents. We are citizens of the kingdom of heaven where one day we're going to stand side by side worshiping with a whole host of people, some who on this earth may have different ideas about things than we do, and yet we are called to live in alignment with God's plan and with his purposes to bring all things in heaven and on earth under Christ in the here and now so that we who are in Christ, we may be for the praise of his glory. That's the point. 
We are chosen by God for the praise of his glory. We are adopted by God for the praise of his glory. We are set in a diverse family for the praise of his glory so that we may participate with God in making Christ known. And the beauty of our life being incorporated into the life of Christ, a people who have been chosen, adopted, loved, forgiven, redeemed, reconciled, is that God would be praised. To God be the glory. So when we ponder that question I asked at the outset, are we excited about Jesus? Let's not make that rhetorical, church. Let me ask that of you. Are we excited about Jesus? <laughs> because it is my prayer, dear Hillcrest Covenant family, that you will grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. To know this love that surpasses this overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God in Jesus Christ that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God, so much so that it spills out of you and pours into the lives of those around you. And to God be glory in his church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Oh God, it is mind-boggling to us that we have actually been chosen by you before the earth was even created, that we've been adopted into your diverse family, and we can call you daddy. We have been blessed with every spiritual blessing, something too, too large for us to even grasp. And we pray that we might live as citizens of heaven, as part of your plan to bring unity to your church. So we may live, God, for the praise of your glory that Christ may be made known in and through us. In Christ's name we pray, and the whole church said, Amen. Amen. Amen.